Hello. Hello. Hi, thanks for joining me. Hey, thank you. How are you doing, Kimberly? I'm fine, thanks. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. It's uh, it's great to uh, reconnect after all this time. I know it's been a long time, but I'm just I'm glad to speak to you again. Yeah, it's a really great what you've been doing with uh, you know getting these talks organised. Uh, and I know um, I'm not the only one, and you've had a few others. Uh, how has it been going? Yeah, it's been all right. Um, you Zoom, and it turned off halfway through, so um, that was oh, no. very strange. But uh, but um, we did get it running. I got it running again, so you know we did get to finish. But ah, <laughs> so I thought this is pretty that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I forgot the. Yeah, there's like a 45 minute time limit, isn't there? On uh, recordings, unless yeah. you've got the premium, uh, which I do happen to have, uh, just because I'm on it quite a lot but uh yeah so I, i'd forgotten about that so i feel bad that i recommended it uh. <laughs> okay um so i thought if i ask you a few questions and then you might want to speak a bit more after i've kind of finished is that all right yeah of course yeah okay um so first i was going to ask about yourself um i already know a bit but um um could you tell <laughs> me a little about yourself and um, the beginning of your writing career yeah sure so uh my I, I would say that my writing journey properly started uh at university and i was probably in my second or third year uh, roughly 19 or 20 and i had written a novel uh called the darkest touch and this was uh with the great assistance of uh, birmingham university with which you are familiar uh, and um, my course mates, fantastic lecturers there. And uh, so I'd written this 60,000 word book and I actually, against all the odds, managed to get a publishing deal with an indie publisher based in the US, a small horror press called Dark Hall Press. And um, that, I think, really was a big moment where I realised that um, I started to take my writing quite seriously. You know, I'd obviously written before and I'd done a lot of drama before, actually. I was very interested in in plays and putting on performances. Um, but I, I think over time, I started to realise that I was more interested in uh, the words that I was saying and changing and tweaking those than in, in necessarily being an actor and delivering those lines. And then that led on to uh, doing creative writing at Birmingham and that led on to the book. And then it was it was when the book got published that I you know really thought I, I love this this is what I want to do and since then I've been releasing books non-stop uh, it's rather like an addiction that once you get into you you can't get out of um, and and here we are today and now I run a uh, I work for myself and I, I run a business editing uh, up-and-coming writers work which is really fantastic and um, ghostwriting and um, supporting uh, authors who have um, are like neurodiverse or have like disabilities so I work with quite a lot of blind authors um, helping them to edit because obviously it's a lot more challenging for them and then obviously I you know continue writing my own and, and releasing my own work so that's kind of a, a snapshot if that's not too long. Oh no that's um, that's great because I, I just remember when I met you you had <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And, and, yeah do, do you remember that? We we so, met uh, in a lot of the poetry scenes, didn't we? And um, yeah, yeah. So that again, that performance element, you know, doing doing, and we put on that amazing event, wasn't it? What was the name of the cafe we put it on at? Um, it was. It was York's Bakery. That is good memory. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was a that was a great event. We put on Max Merrick Wren, didn't we? And and some yeah. other people and. Uh, that was a that was a great little event actually, and uh, gentleman press wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, so yeah. I do, but not so much with the gentleman press anymore. But I have mm. to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good, good to have projects for future. <laughs> uh, so inspired you to write. Well, you've spoken about that already. Um, but do you consider anyone to be? influential to your writing at all or has been in the past oh oh yeah and and you're gonna have to um you're probably gonna have to stop me on this question from going on too long because 
uh, my list of influences is so uh, long. And, and I think, you know, all, all writers worth their salt have a, a, a number of influences and, and it's part of continuing to draw influence and goes into the melting pot and it becomes part of this collage that eventually emerges as something that's uniquely you. So, um, you know, I am influenced by a lot of the, the greats and the classics. I'm particularly fond of Edmund Spencer and his allegorical fantasy epic, The Fairy Queen. Um, so if I was, you know, talking classics, that would be what I'd pick in that front. But, you know, there's a host of modern writers. Um, Krista Wojciechowski is a, um amazing psychological horror writer uh, and um, dare I say a friend of mine but she is an incredible writer and uh, what she really brings to the table that fascinates me is this this psychological depth um, and I realized when I was reading her that you know I I was simultaneously blown away by how rich and uh, realistic her characters were and then also thinking, God, I need to up my game. <laughs> I, I really need to up my game here. This is the standard then. So, so much to learn from her. Um, and I would say as well, I'm very interested. I'm very interested and influenced by some slightly stranger sources, such as Japanese anime. Um, and a lot of people would think, oh, how does that, you know, blend in with the kind of classical stuff? But actually, I think there is a lot of... Uh, there is a, a real interrelationship there and you know a lot of uh, anime often takes they take western settings such as the arthurian uh kind of mythos uh, and they so the anime seven deadly sins it takes the arthurian mythos and it recreates it in this completely fresh light and the arthurian myths have been done to death i mean they've one cannot count the number of times they've been reiterated over and over again and yet they find something new and epic in it. And I think it's that fearless epic of anime. And for, sometimes it's, you know, for some people it can be like too much, it's too over the top, it's too intense. But I I uh, love it because they go there and uh, they kind of fearlessly um, go into the epic and, and also into the horror too. And I think, um, you know, I've always had an interest in horror and the plays of Shakespeare that interested me most were normally the... <laughs> Um, horrific ones sadly not the not the comedies although I you know do love a good laugh as well um so I mean that is just a really vague rambling smattering of kind of three key influences uh, one classical one modern and one one strange um but um I I would say that gives you a sense of how eclectic the taste is and the, I guess the theme running through all of them is you know I really I really do love fantasy and I really do love epic and um they're not always necessarily the same thing as with Krista. You know, a lot of her stories are quite realistic and grounded, but they're, they're epic because of the emotional depth. Um, but that that's the kind of theme running through. So, and I'm picking up new influences all the time. Um, so uh, <laughs> who knows? Uh, somebody listening to this may become my influence uh, shortly if they uh, decide to go and release a book. And I'm always hunting the kind of indie publishing scene for new new writers that inspire me. Um, so uh, I think it's really important to learn from from your colleagues and learn from what other people are doing. Uh, and then you, you, you make it your own. People, oh, I don't. People have this advice that you have to be able to read to which I, I think is yeah. probably true. And because I, I was interested in the classics, I read a lot more um, Kind of contemporary stuff now but as you said the fairy queen i love that one so read a paradise lost i don't know if you've ever read that one either yeah yeah milton's paradise that. lost is wonderful and uh and of course milton stole a lot of um a lot from oh, the fairy really? queen so the two are quite linked uh in a way um so it's, it's wonderful you love that poem yeah I, I think it's i think it's magical um and um so getting on to the self-publishing um what made mm. you think about um, self-publishing and was it an enjoyable process? Because kind of the balancing of business with creativity. <laughs> um, and I, I think it can be the, a little bit the same, like business can be creative, but um, what's your thoughts on that? Anyway? Yeah, yeah, that's a really great question. Um, and uh, I, I think it's a really interesting one. So, so, so the first part, what, what drew me to self-publishing? Um, I wouldn't say I had a bad experience with traditional publishing and I, I don't, 
throughout this conversation wish to uh, cast aspersions upon uh, traditional publishing. It, for some people, it's a dream of theirs. They really want to do it. Some people make a great go of it. Uh, I know you've had, you know, traditional publishing deals and stuff. So I, you know, I don't think it's a bad thing. Um, but I do think for me, it was a, it opened my eyes to some of the drawbacks. And as with anything in life, I think it's a, it's, it's trade-offs, right? So what, what is the, the trade-off of traditional publishing versus the trade-off of self-publishing? So, uh, for traditional publishing, I found the, um, the the powerlessness i guess the i guess i guess if you are somebody who likes to be in control um creatively it can be a distressing experience um lack of having final say on certain elements uh lack of being able to update stuff you know and including lack of control of when you get paid um getting paid an incredibly small margin not being able to determine what the budget is for promotion. Uh, I think one of the, the 80, 20 principle, you talked about uh, business and creativity going hand in hand. And I think it is important uh, if you are interested in self-publishing to get to grips with some business concepts, uh, even if only, you know, at a superficial light level, just to so have some awareness of what you're getting into. And the 80, 20 principle, essentially te- the Pareto principles, it's sometimes called, you know, teaches us that, 20% of inputs give us 80% of outputs, you know, um, 20% of households uh, cause 80% of the fires. Um, uh, 20% of the books on the market get 80% of the sales. And unfortunately, this principle is often applied to the detriment and the inequality of the treatment of authors. And a lot of authors, I think, do find themselves in the 80% that the publishers don't really bother promoting. And uh, there's a 20% who have got a particularly marketable book or they're a well-known name or et cetera, et cetera, who get all of the attention because they're delivering 80% of the sales. And you might say, well, that's fair if they're delivering most of the sales. But, you know, there's always that that principle of untapped potential of, well, you know, there are these authors who are on the sidelines, essentially. They're in the reserves waiting to come onto the, the basketball court. And, um, you know, the publisher really controls that and you, you don't have any say really in that. So I think when, when it comes to self-publishing, there's a feeling of taking control of your own destiny. And I realized very quickly that uh, that appealed to me a lot more than um, having being reliant on somebody else to determine the, the level of my success in a way. Or, or that's at least how I perceived it, if that makes sense. So, uh, but of course, the drawback, as I said, everything's a trade-off. So you get more creative control being self-published, but it is hard work. (laughs) And um, I would say, ultimately, I've really enjoyed it. And I especially enjoy it now, now that I have learned some of the more difficult lessons, uh, taken some of the knocks, improved the process, streamlined it. Now it's a very enjoyable and exciting process. And I, you know, wish that I knew what I know now, uh, that I I had known what I know now back then, uh, because it would have made it smoother. But then again, how else does one uh, learn these lessons? You often do have to learn yourself at the end of the day. You, you can't be told sometimes. Um, happy is the man who learns from another's mistake. I think that was Socrates that said that. Um or it might have been Seneca, so don't don't quote me on that. But um, it's a good quote nonetheless. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I I, I think self publishing is uh, something I do really enjoy, but it is not easy. Uh, it is hard work. There's a lot to consider, and you do have to have uh, a bit of a little a business attitude to it. And for some people, um, they really don't want to do that. Um, but I, I, I would say as one final thing on that question, I, I think increasingly in our modern climate, the idea of the author who just sits and writes and, you know, publishers and agents and staff at publishing houses take care of all the rest. I think that is increasingly evaporating and authors are increasingly expected to to chip in. And I know uh, uh, somebody who has had a deal with Routledge which is one of the largest publishers in the world for nonfiction. Um, they have a five book deal with them. 
um, selling really well, and um, publisher wouldn't wouldn't pay to get a cover created for them. Um, it so happened their partner was an artist and could make one for them, um, but you know they wouldn't wouldn't pay for the cover art uh, for their cover. And this is this is a humongous international publisher. So I, I think you know, increasingly there is a sense that authors need to be quite streetwise and, and even if they are going down a traditional route, uh, learning some of the skills for marketing, for gaming Amazon's algorithm a little bit or or at least harnessing it. Um, you know, all, the, all these things, is, there's too many to kind of list off, but uh, getting a little bit more business-like about it, uh, if as much as they can, as much as possible, uh, I think is a is a good thing for any author, whether they're going self publishing or or not. Um, so I hope I hope that's not too discombobulated and um, uh, is useful. Yeah, because I was going to say because I have gone down the traditional route, but mm. lately I have I have considered self publishing myself. I'm meant to be putting a book out, um, which actually you inspired me looking at all the books that you've put together and um self-publish oh, yourself you know and because it is about the creative process because I, I I have for other people and mm, I've loved mm. the fact that I can you know talk to the um the designers and talk to you know the editors and decide you know what goes in what comes out kind of thing yeah so I was interested to talk to you about that um but that, so, that's the thing. The whole process of making a book is creative. Uh, the cover is hugely creative. The even the layout, the interior design. I mean, um, I run a small indie press called the Writing Collective with uh, Ross Jeffrey, uh, who's a fantastic indie author. And if you want to look at somebody who is having success in the self-publishing field, my God, uh, follow that man on Twitter. Uh, log on to his website. He is smashing it. He uh, this year has been nominated for the Bram Stoker Award for his second book, and um, the yeah the ballots are coming out as we kind of talk. Um, he he may even win, um, and you know all all from a, all from an indie publishing standpoint. Um, and you know I I think when you go with like really big publishers, I know I know a couple of writers who have been asked to like change the ending of their books and stuff because you know the 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 editors or you know whoever's in charge felt like it would be better one way than another and of course you circumnavigate all of that when you self-publish it's not a it's not a blank check to write whatever you want and and diminish the quality you know quality is essential and, and that's something we can talk a lot more about uh, uh how how you get to a level of quality with self-publishing but 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 certainly that that creative control and creative freedom um you know, you can do really ambitious things. Like he, like, again, to talk about Ross, um, just because if I talk about myself all the time, it would be <laughs> very boring indeed for people. But, you know, he he's created this universe, uh, this town in America called Juniper. And um, all his books are like set in this, this town. Uh, and there's, you know, some are uh, prequels and go back in time into like the history of the town. Some are more recent. And, and you know, he can do so many different things with that different genres different characters coming in and out of the stories like it's it's a real tapestry he's weaving um and i just don't think he would have um in fact well i, I know he would not have had the opportunity to do that because he, he did send it out to editors and you know none of them were interested and now it's up for one of the biggest awards in horror um ever and, and it's up for the splatterpunk award as well i think so i mean you know absolute kudos to him and proof that that um you know, people do take self-published writers seriously now as well. Um. Exactly, because um, I'm just gonna, um, the next question was about a little bit more about the process, um, mm, mm. because like, I guess people would want to know a bit more because you can you can do your research. But as you said, you know, you've probably made mistakes that you could help people out with. <laughs> so, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> if you could just. Oh, um, yeah. Quite them. a few of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah, I mean, the process, I, I think um, key thing is there are a lot of uh, tools in place that make self-publishing really easy. And Amazon have their own KDP and it probably is the best one to use. Um, some people may feel uncomfortable putting more money in Bezos's pocket and I, I totally sympathize with that. 
the man makes two thousand five hundred pounds every second. Uh, but that that's the actual figure, by the way. But um, you know, uh, he's created a useful tool, and there are some writers I know using KDP who make ten grand a month uh, writing. Um, so also, yeah. So if you are very business minded and money is your aim, it can be done. Uh, but if creativity is your aim, of course, then you've got you've got control as well. So do, you know, there's I would recommend using a tool like KDP, which is a print-on-demand service. So you upload your files, you upload your cover, um, you enter your categories, and then it's available on Amazon. And then basically each time somebody buys a copy, it's printed in Amazon's uh, by Amazon's printers and dispatched to them. And that is uh, the simplest way to get started. Um, going approaching printing companies and asking to print 500 copies of your book and then trying to sell 500 copies of your book is a a way to one lose money and two have a real headache well how do you store 500 books how do you send them out you know how do you how do you market them how do you you know use the tools that are available to you in kdp and amazon and um it's built the amazon is a weaponized search engine it's built to locate items that you want and sell them to you so um you know we can take advantage of this as authors and as a cut is very generous for kdp the print costs are extremely low because amazon own all the, all the printers because uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah, they've monopolized the whole thing so that the print costs are extremely low you get a great share of the profit you can try and which which also does have a you know um actually a benefit for the end consumer you go into waterstones it's normally 16 20 quid a book easy now um you know it's really gone up in recent years and i you know i still go to bookstores stores and and you know i go to independent ones and i, I make a, a concerted effort to do that but you know you can you can charge nine quid for your book and it's 400 pages long you can give real value to people um that way so that that's a kind of like one technical aspect of it i would recommend and then the other side of it is uh, as i say the quality and what you were saying about mistakes made and you know i would really sincerely uh recommend hiring an editor it is expensive uh there's no way to sugarcoat that uh and obviously uh i did mention at the start of this that i am an editor uh, i don't want people to think that i'm just selling my services but <laughs> you know if, if you don't go with me go Go with with someone uh, because getting that critical, neutral or, or you know pretty pretty much neutral eye on your work is really important. And um, it I would personally recommend you know proof proof reading is really important. Don't get me wrong, fixing the typos, all that. But more important is someone who you really rate, someone you really think. This person knows what they're doing in, with stories. Maybe they're an author who you uh, really like and admire and they also offer editing or maybe they're an editor who edits authors that you like. You know, you, you've got to find somebody who you... Or even, the, you know, their website and the, the language they're using to describe their editing process really resonates with you. You've got to find someone you really rate whose opinion you value and you think they really know what they're talking about here and get them to do a proper developmental edit with you, a proper deep dive. I mean, for me, when I edit, uh, there's two important concepts. And one is, uh, my aim is not to point out what's wrong with your book. It's to see what you're intending to do and help you do that. It's to see what the writer is actually intending, what their vision is, and to help them achieve that. Uh, and, um, you know, all of us, uh, can get closer to achieving our vision. You know, the whole, no one can ever perfectly realize the vision in their head. When it's in your head, it's perfect and it, it, it's flawless. But then by the process of being transmuted into the physical world by being typed out or, you know, painted or whatever form of art it is, it, it gets corrupted in some way and, and, and will always be uh, limited by the by physical existence, essentially. You know, the, the spiritual or mental, whatever you want to refer to as realm is, pure and perfect and then it becomes physical and uh, in some level it's always slightly short of the vision so you know but with editing and with hard work we can get it closer you know we can get it to we can get it to 98 percent there uh, so that's the first key concept and the second key concept especially for novelists is structure uh, so i have a five act model that i use it works really beautifully it's very simple 
and so often uh, just applying these overarching structural principles can really reveal where narratives are sagging, where pace is, is dropping off, where the emotional punch is not hitting hard enough, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So having somebody who, who really um, is experienced as a storyteller or as an editor who knows what they're doing, looking at your work in this, in this way, not just, a, oh, you know, you've got a typo on page 10, but actually really getting into the bones of, is your story working at this level? is really vital and it's worth the investment because the thing is it's not like oh every time i release a novel i've got to pay this editor to you know go through it um although you may do that but often this is a learning process once you've done it once or twice you are starting to improve as a writer you're starting to get to that point where you're not making these mistakes the first time around you're actually really internalizing the learning and your books are getting better and i love uh, I've got several writers who I've worked with for a number of years who come back to me with, you know, subsequent books. And I love it when they come back to me with a book and I'm like, you don't need the development with it anymore. You know, uh, you, you've gone beyond that now. I can proofread it for you or whatever. But, you know, you're reaching that level where you found your style. You, you, you're, you've mastered the structure. You're starting to. And that's a great process as an editor to witness as so you see them going on. And, you know, I would. I would recommend that to anyone looking to self-publish. Don't don't think that oh I'm a writer and you know it's my truth and uh, <laughs> I'm you know I'm speaking with the muse and no you know <laughs> yeah. we, we can all we can all get better. You know Shakespeare got better. His his, his early plays are great and everything. They're, they're still Shakespeare, but but you know when when you look at how um, bloated a play like the the Two Gentlemen of Verona is compared to Macbeth, which is like this distilled focal point you know uh there's two hours of just pure hell um you know there's no there's no contest really uh, and so uh, we can all improve and I would, I would recommend anyone seeking this route to to seek out um and also and, and link to that i know i've talked for ages so i'm really sorry but <laughs> no this, uh, this is link... great <laughs> oh good good well thank you you're very kind uh kimberly um i, I would also recommend if you are not um, artistically talented and, and you're struggling with the book cover, pay someone to do it. Pay, it's worth the money. Again, it, you know, you might, it might be 200 quid. Uh, it might even be, I know some people, they'll, they will pay 400 quid for like a fully designed from scratch cover. And it seems 400 quid, like how am I ever going to make that money back in, in the early stages? And the, the answer is you, you won't make it back in the early stages, but no business ever does. Every, almost every business, um, real business, not, you know, fake Silicon Valley propped up by artificial, you know, funding kind of business. Every real business makes a loss in its first year. It, it has to, and it has to be a sense of investment. You have to invest in yourself as a writer. So the editing is, I would say, top priority, you know, invest in yourself as a writer. Uh, whether it's editing or writing courses, take yourself seriously enough to put some money into developing yourself. And then also when your book, when, right, I've written a book and I'm, I'm happy with it. I need to have a cover and, you know, I need to put this out in the world. Don't clip art it. Don't, <laughs> you know, really pay someone who really knows what they're doing and, and the, and the rewards that that will reap. Um, the, you know, we do, we are visual creatures. we, we shop with our eyes and uh, this is one of the big mistakes I make, which is why I'm speaking so so passionately about it. Cause I, I, I was like, I, I can do it myself. You know, I'll do it myself. I like to do things myself. And, um, and that cost me, it cost me many book sales and, you know, people didn't take me seriously and it had that, you know, amateur self-published kind of look. And now I, um, I don't do that and uh, my books look a hell of a lot better <laughs> and lo and behold that the results that i desire the outcome is is um is happening and you know when when you've got a book cover you want especially nowadays where you've got booktubers like reviewers who are on youtube and you know often they'll be holding up your book and if your cover is really embarrassing and awful um next to you know joe blogs's or whoever else's book is being shown off on one of their videos you know, you're you're really going to feel that stab of shame every time that happens. <laughs> you you want to have something that really looks great, and and when they hold it up, you think, yeah, that's my book. That looks really awesome, and uh, and and you know, then attracts people who are watching the video to to investigate it a bit further. We 
we we can't you know underestimate as much as the the words are the power and the most they are the most important part ultimately and for the long term but you know we do need to um we do need to take the cover and, and the, the the visual design of it like really seriously um okay um because so i hope that yeah that's really <laughs> sorry sorry i thought you was um because i love what you said about asking them the writer you know what are you trying to do because i feel like this mm. is from what you're saying is there is the story that you tell yourself in your head and then you put it on as a first draft and then there's the one that you want the audience to understand, which I'm I'm finding for myself because I'm I'm doing my own drafts and um trying to see editors yeah. and and I'll say um just do sell yourself because you know we do need good editors who help us to get to reach our goals. So yeah, you know, do sell yourself, you know, in this. <laughs> you know, oh, but, well, um... you're, you're very kind. So so you're you're working on a draft of a book now and uh, um. And, and looking to send it to editors is that um it's the one that i want to self-publish but um mm. so i'm trying to because it's a very old draft so it may be that i have to completely rewrite again um but i just have to see yeah. so yeah <laughs> but oh awesome well i look forward to seeing it out yeah um, um so i was going to ask you about publishing itself because um maybe it's not something that completely influences you but um, do you see any publishing trends arising and do you ever look at what the market is interested in and are these any are there any other in considerations you took into account when publishing mm, these are um these are great questions and um yeah really important to ask them i think um I do see trends, absolutely. Uh, in fact, we've just come out of one. We the one we've come out of is the um, the girl on the train. Oh yeah, the girl, the girl in the red coat. <laughs> <laughs> the girl in the insert here, insert title here. The girl with all the gifts. The girl I could name probably I could probably go to ten books, actual titles as well, not even made up. You know, actual books that came out in the last couple of years of that nature. Um, and uh, yeah, we're moving out of that phase now. I think we're moving into something else. Um, there are like one of my writer friends, Dan Soul, great guy, great novelist. Definitely check out his work. Um, he he's really good at. Uh, he has tools that to kind of am analyze Amazon's like sales uh, rankings and stuff. And he determined that the best-selling genre is werewolf fiction, hundred percent. Well. Um, specifically erotic uh werewolf fiction um in fact uh <laughs> and you know romance has always been the 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 bestseller uh and um followed by kind of fantasy then sci-fi um may maybe crime actually before before sci-fi and then like way 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 down at the bottom is uh, horror um <laughs> Uh, but um, I think it's important to, you know, corny as this may sound, I think you do have to follow your heart and the market. And this is why, again, this is another reason to self-publish, because sometimes publishing houses being large entities that they are, are slow to pick up on this. It's not, you know, I'm not saying they're careless or they don't care about this or whatever, but sometimes they're slow to pick up on uh what the buzz on the ground is and sometimes something new just comes along um and it's because it's truly original or it it, it strikes a, a chord well is anything truly original i guess in the sense that you know a lot of stories are retold but you you know it feels original it feels fresh and um those things always come out of a, a place of real passion and I, I mentioned ross earlier with this juniper concept and uh, I, th I feel like you know he's done that he's come in like a wrecking ball with this concept and it's really really excited people and it's really fresh and it was a risk to do that uh, and i'm not sure he would have been allowed to take that risk in a more uh, traditional publishing setting and um, but you can do that as an indie publisher and I know that the the weirder I get the more success I am having when I tried to write fiction that I thought 
was like, uh, you know, bestseller, classic tropes. Um, I always struggled. Things have to be authentic. It's like writers. Um, I, I knew a writer once who tried to create a pen name and tried to write erotic fiction under this pen name because it sold really well. Right. But the thing is, if you, yeah, I mean, like ridiculous, brilliant and ridiculous idea. And completely failed and the reason they they fail is not because they're not a good writer they really are but their this heart wasn't in it they didn't they're not interested in that type of fiction they were trying to game the system so i think you do corny as it sounds have to stick to your guns and i've had to just embrace the fact that i am a weirdo and i write books about telepathic crabs and about like you know most recent one, two young girls who are obsessed by a screamo metal band in the 90s and then end up transported to another dimension uh, that's been haunted by a serial killer. And, um, off, you know, I'm doing more, I guess, of a Clive Barker than a Stephen King. And I, I love Barker. I should have mentioned him in my influences. Um, but, you know, pursuing that weirdness, um, the things that I am genuinely passionate about and interested in, and lo and behold... Thinking, you know, how many people are going to care about uh, this 90s setting and screamo rock bands? Apparently quite a lot of people. Um, I had one reviewer recently who was like, this book was me. Like, I was this age when I was in the 90s and I listened to, you know, all these kind of bands, like, you know, and Slipknot and My Chemical Romance and all that. And it was like really wonderful moment of finding solidarity with people who shared um, your interests. And you won't know these people exist until you put it out there. So I think, yes, there are trends and um, one can be really, sometimes one can be really lucky and you can just, you can just hit the trend. You can just hit the cultural nerve at exactly the right time. Um, and you know, I think Ross did that in some way. His second book has a lot of themes of like racism. And um, he he was writing this book long before, um, you know, the, the, the terrible kind of tragedies that happened in America and, and the whole you know explosion of like the Black Lives Matter movement um, came about. And um, it was something that he, he really cared about and was really passionate about and wanted to write, you know, this, this book. And then lo and behold, his book kind of hit exactly... And to be fair, he got, there were some people who were like, you're trying to capitalize on, he was like, God, no, you know, this book's been in the works for like a long time. It just so happened that just at that very moment um, where there was this 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 movement that, that happened culturally, this vital movement, um, he, he was, he, you know, he, he produced something that really spoke, I think, to a lot of people. So um, that is like a moment of like, serendipity and, and luck or fate or or, or whatever uh, and it's it's almost pointless to chase those because you you'd have to know what the future was going to bring to uh to do that novels take time to write and so you you know we're not talking about well what's the trend now it's going to take you three months or six months or however long to write the novel so you've got to actually be thinking about what what's going on in the future and, and to do that is perhaps a, a path to madness i think um but i think if you stick to what you're passionate about and your niche and uh, things that interested you then what you you can do is is tap into a you know a previously unknown audience um, and the last thing to, to say is again I've, I've rambled for a long time but is that um whilst I wouldn't recommend chasing trends of any kind because it's so hit and miss I I think there are certain good practices I would call them that you can do and one of those good practices is series wow every every measure every study shows that books that are either in a chronologic traditional chronological lord of the Rings style series or um or in a shared universe um you know all that it it, it just outsells standalones they're all, all by every measure um so if you are wanting to do you know so that is something i would recommend you do it may not be something that you've considered but um, I would highly recommend uh, going into that. So that's not exactly chasing a trend, but it's kind of it's kind of going with what the best practices of the time, if that makes sense. Yeah, because um, I do love series, isn't? And that's you know that's given me an idea of what to do next. And I'm ah, I'm, good, and I'm good. just thinking, where will erotic? No, I'm not going to go down that path. 
but um, <laughs> um and the final question is just about what advice you'd give to someone considering self-publishing I know you've you've talked a lot about the process and stuff mm. and then you may you might want to add a, a few points yourself about you know what you do and then um so yeah yeah thank you um got advice for self-publishing that's actually quite a tough um question in a way um i i would i guess reiterate um that uh, don't believe that just because you're self-publishing that is a license to to write anything uh, in the sense that um well write about anything if you know if mushroom people on the planet yod interest you write about it but um <laughs> uh, make sure you do it well and always always hold yourself to a, a standard of quality and one way to check against that is is an editor another is having beta readers we all have that really critical friend um and sometimes uh, they can find their uh, great <laughs> one can find great utility in that critical friend by asking them to read your work and you know, knowing that it's going to be really painful and they're going to point out a lot of uh, faults that you would rather um, were never brought to light. But using their critical faculty, you know, um, I, I, so that that my one piece of advice, I think, is uh, to do that. But I but that comes with the caveat of, you know, enjoy it. It is a joyous thing. And um, I, I found myself in in 20. 19 early 2020 kind of before covid all all happened you know i finished the black gate trilogy uh, which was like my big my big series you know uh, three books and um and it linked to a couple of other books i wrote as well as a kind of five book overall kind of universe multiverse um and uh, just realizing that you know oh god like there are people out there who really want to know how this story ends and that's um it doesn't matter if it's a hundred people or 10,000, like it, it's just wonderful that there are people out there uh, who, who care about the world you create. So um, I guess I've sneakily said two pieces of advice, but, but, you know, hold yourself to the standard of quality. Don't let anything go. You know, when you, when you know a scene is weak, go back and rewrite it. When you, if you're not sure, if you, if you don't have the self vision yet, to be able to honestly assess your own work, then then either pay someone to do it or or get someone to do it who really is critical, uh, and you know will be fair. Uh, and then the opposite of that, <laughs> the complete opposite of that, at the same time, uh, bear the two contradictory things in mind, uh, as as is often the way in life. Uh, you know, have fun and um, write about what you want to write about, and um, you know, relish this opportunity to um, share a unique part of yourself um and uh, i i think it, it's a, a wonderful thing and i think that um indie publishing self-publishing is having a real boom and i do i'm connected to a lot of book reviewers and they are a vital tool if you are uh, becoming a self-published author because they are you know they are the ways where your work will get disseminated out to lots of people uh if you can get a good review on one of these sites you know but also like it's just a way to make great friends and um, great friendships with people who are interested in reading a lot of the same stuff as you and you can get amazing book recommendations out of them as well because you know some of these people they read 200 books a year and review them it, it, it's absolute bonkers um, and um, you know these people uh, when you when you reach out to them um, you know I can't remember where I was going with that now actually I had a point about book reviews that was really vital but uh, I've kind of um I've kind of lost the thread on that. Um, connected to having fun. I will. I will circle back round to that if that is okay. I'm sure it will pop into my head. Um, I often do that. So um. <laughs> <laughs> happens to the best of us, it would seem. Uh, but um, yes, uh, and then lastly, I guess uh, to to address your question about um, what I do. Um, my website is themindflayer.com and um, on that site is information about all the editing services that I offer, uh, ranging from um, structural reviews to like line by line gritty stuff. I have a mailing list and if you sign up to the mailing list, 
which I promise is not spammy. You only get one email a month and it's normally got more free stuff in or, or like a link to an article or something. Um, and if you sign up to it, you also get a free novella from me, uh, which you may enjoy. Um, and uh, you can also get access to some short stories on my site and my Patreon account. So I have a Patreon, which people sign up for, and uh, they pay a monthly fee to get access to like never before seen publishing stuff, but also a lot of uh, videos and workshops that I do on um, on writing and, and, and writing advice and publishing. I did one on character motivations last month which went down really, really well. I have a, a special tool I use for making sure my, my character motivations are consistent and interesting, um, uh, which is really cool. So um, yeah, so those are those are the kind of main things. And, and lastly, my uh, most recent book out is Dark Hilarity. Um, it's available on Amazon and um, it's been getting some decent reviews so far. So if you're interested in the 90s and screamer bands and dimensions with lizard people and telepathic crabs then 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 please investigate uh, and friendship a story of friendship uh so um that's probably me um unless i can remember what i was going to say about a uh, book review okay um, um so what i was going to say is what i've taken away from it is it's great to have create if there's something you just can't do then do hire someone and you know, get them to have a look and especially with covers as well. You know, but um, unless you yeah, have you remembered absolutely. what you um, was going to say, or I, I think it has been swallowed by the void. All right, that's fine. Um, I was going to say, um, thanks for joining me anyway. Um, unless there's anything else you wanted to say, or um, no, no, I, I, well, I would actually just like to say thank you so much for having me. It's really great to. Uh, be here talking about self-publishing and oh I have remembered right, I've, and I've remembered <laughs> that spot the memory you're a genius <laughs> um yet my uh reading uh reviewing friends have often said to me and it, it is genuinely something I hear them repeat often uh, and lots of different types of reviewers and different sources that the indie scene is where the really interesting work is coming out for them personally now and you know, I'm not saying that there's not amazing uh, trade publishing books coming out because there are. And I'm, I'm reading one right now. Um, uh, so not to denigrate again, you know, this is not about a war between self-publishing and traditional publishing. Uh, there are lots of authors I know who do both. But uh, having said that, a lot of the reviewers are saying, you know, the, the interesting stuff that they're really enjoying that's really leaving its mark on them is coming from that self-publishing indie, indie publishing field. And I think that's because... Uh, there's so many more opportunities to push boundaries and uh, so many more opportunities to really push the boat out with what you're doing because yes I've advocated that you should get an editor and yes I've advocated that you know you, you should get feedback on your work and you shouldn't just release things like without anyone else having ever looked at it but uh, at the same time you have less layers between you and, and uh, your audience uh, you have less barriers, less layers, so you can do really crazy things. And you know, like the the my own series, Return to the Black Gate, is the last book in the Black Gate trilogy. Loads of people were like, "This is madness!" Like, you know, you you've linked two multiverses into one book. You've um, you've got this cast of like a ridiculous number of characters, um, and you've you know it, it, the story is from a quite realistic sci-fi horror tale it's now like gone full heavy metal fantasy like how how are you going to do this, this is ridiculous and every, like the reviews attest that it is the most popular and and best of the three and i i just never would have been i know i never would have been greenlit for that if i've been working with it though you know you've got to keep it you know you've got to keep it sensible you've got to you know you've got to deliver the same genre of story every every book in the Blackgate trilogy is a different genre like the first one is a crime horror thriller small dash of cosmic horror in it the second one is uh, a kind of fantasy quest and the last one is apocalyptic with elements of fantasy in it you know they're all 
they're all different and that makes them all interesting there's none of the kind of problems of delivering a sequel whereby it's just a repeat of the first one but not as good you know you you can do these weird and wonderful things um self-publishing more easily i'm not going to say that you can't do them traditionally publishing and you know we talked about clive barker and crystal Roger Husky and well actually she she's indie publishing but you know there are there are many uh, great authors out there we could talk about who you, you do really push boundaries and experiment but often they are people who already have been established in the field who um you know they're they're cut a lot of slack by their editors and publishers because they are a name and and you know you as a new person who no one's ever heard of who doesn't also have you know a YouTube channel with two million people on it um are not going to get cut that same slack uh, or you're not likely to so um you know going self-publishing and being able to really explore and experiment in in weird territory you know that that is a really exciting thing and and as i say a lot of reviewers that i speak to say that that's this is the sector the emergent sector where all the a lot of interesting stuff is is coming out um and it, it, it's very exciting i think there's going to be a shift in the next uh, I said not to chase trends and predict, but I, I, I think one kind of general, vague, long-term prediction I would make is that there is going to be a lot more of this. There's going to be a, the, the indie section, the self-publishing sector, going to be taken a lot more seriously. And we're going to see more giants emerging from this sector. We've already had a few, like the guy who wrote the um, novel, The Martian, Andy Weir, I think his name is, uh, you know, he got a Ridley Scott film out of it and he was self-published. Uh, so it's already happening, but we're, I think we're going to see even more of it. We're going to see even more of that, So, which is exciting. And, you know, if you're listening to this uh, or watching it or whatever format, um, you uh, you know, this is an opportunity for you to be part of that. So um, great stuff. Yeah, I, I just want to say thanks so much for joining me. And... Um... You know, I'll be looking out for your stuff, you know, see what you've got. Oh, thank I'm you. on your Twitter anyway. So, oh. and I do read your blog, by the way. So, <laughs> um, yeah. But, um, thanks a lot. Oh, thank you. Well, thank you indeed. And, and likewise, I'm looking forward to this self-published book coming out uh, from you, uh, Kimberly. I'm sure it's going to be awesome. And um, viva la revolution. Um, yes, definitely. Time for the self-publishing revolution, eh? Okay, then. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, have a really good uh, weekend. And you. Cheers. Bye. Bye.